Uh, my name is Jake uh, Blaukamp on the pastor here at Access. So happy to have you all here. Do we have any first-time visitors here today? First time been to Access. Welcome. Did you come with a friend? All by yourself? This is the order of your wife. Oh, nice. Well, we're so, what's your name? Bethany. Bethany. Everyone say, what's up, Bethany? What's up, Bethany? <laughs> you even did it in the same voice as me. <laughs> you guys are funny. Bethany, seriously, we're happy you're here. How'd you hear about us? She's confident, isn't she? <laughs> we're happy you're here, Bethany, seriously. We hope you enjoyed the worship and we're ready to get in the word. Um, I was gonna share something with you before. Oh yes, this is what it is. They don't know I'm gonna do this, but um, we've, been, we've had the honor of having um, a couple that I've known for a long time um, serving with us and attending Access last month. Now, I just want to honor them and, and kind of point them out. It's Sherry and Craig Prince, if you guys will stand up. Um, it was about, uh, I would say a month and a half ago, a month ago. Um, you know, one of the things that our office, we've been really praying about is, you know, God, please, we, want, we want God to bring people here who are older, more experienced, who have wisdom, who have understanding. We, we're asking God to bring people here who had a heart for this generation, who've been through the time that we're in. And as soon as I, I, I prayed that, the first people that came to my mind were Sherry and Craig. I've known them. She was my um, fifth grade uh, drama teacher uh, at Triunity Christian. And so I just wanted to, to honor them and say thank you so much. They're, they've been serving for about a month and a half, month, and they've just done a phenomenal job, and we're just so happy that they're here and serving with us. Um, so we're, uh, we're, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, we're in a series about our vision. We're in a series, which a series is just a sequence of, of services that we talk about something that is interconnected to each other. So we're in a series about our vision which basically means our direction, the area, the focus that we have as a ministry here at Resurrection Life Church Access. And so what we are is our mission statement is to, is to develop totally committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. And so that's why we're here is to develop totally committed followers. Whoa. Let's go. <laughs> keep, keep preaching. I don't know what happened. There we go. Let there be light. That's right. So, totally lost. That's right. So we're here for that reason, and we have our three E's. The first, the first week was equip, how we're here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, how we're here to equip the people in order to do the work of the ministry, in order to represent Jesus Christ in the world. Because if it's all about coming to church, then we've missed the point. If it's all about just coming to church and having our church club and our church group and our church friends and our church this and our church that, then we've missed the point because Jesus never once actually talked about the church. He talked a lot about the kingdom, though, the kingdom of God, and that's what we are trying to represent on earth is his kingdom here. And so we're here to equip you. The second last week, Nick talked about encounter, how, you know, the thing that we value, the thing that, we, that we're striving after every week, every time that we, that we come together is just to have an encounter with God, that we present opportunities that, that each one of us have, 
a time to connect with God on a deeper level, on, a, on an intimate level that no one else can, can explain, no one else can really understand. Because we are, the one thing we do understand is if you can explain the way that you came to Christ, or if you cannot explain the way you come to Christ, you're in a pretty good boat. If you can't explain your experience with God, it means it was something that was supernatural. If you can't explain that moment when God come and gripped your heart, you're in a good place. So what we're doing and what we're striving for, what we, what we desire is that every week we're, we're having that experience. And it doesn't mean we're gonna have it every week, but it means that we're, that's our desire is that it's actually all about encountering God. It's, it's all about having the personal relationship with him. That's encounter. Then our last E, which we're going to talk about tonight, is engage. And engage basically means to participate in. Um, so engage with community. So what does it mean to be a Christian as it, as it relates to the people around you, as it relates to um, your family? And, and how, does that, how does that work together when, you, when we're a body of believers, a church body here at Resurrection Life Church Access? And so to start off, um, first off, I want to say Happy New Year. It's 2017. Man. <sighs> Does anyone else like dumbfounded that it's 2017? I, I feel like time flies so fast. Um, I can remember um, last New Year's because John, who just did the announcements, that was the first time that I really ever hung out with John was last New Year's Eve. And that's the first time that he um, um, hung out with, with, with us. And, and he actually, the first time that he met, maybe not the first time, but he was really with his fiance now, Shelby. And so I look back and say, man, time flies so fast. Time just goes by. And, it, and it, you, know, you can't get time back. And so what we're doing now is just taking advantage of the time that we have and not wasting it. And that's the total ramble that I don't even know why I'm saying, but... I'm gonna, okay, whatever. So I want to throw up some pictures, and, and tonight to start off, we're going to be talking about some trees, and these are, these are, okay. So these are called uh, coastal redwood trees. Have you heard of them? Yeah, they're like the biggest tree in the world. So these are just a monstrosity of a tree. They are the Goliath of the trees. They are massive. So they can grow as tall as uh, 370 feet. There are over 50 accounted for trees, coastal or. Uh, these coastal redwoods that are over 360 feet tall. Has anyone seen one in person? How, how massive are they? They're just, they're incredibly huge. 365, I don't even know, I just stole these pictures, so I don't know who that guy is, but it's just to give you a little uh, <laughs> relation to how big they are. So they can be, you know, as wide as 24 feet in diameter, 70 feet in circumference, meaning the area around it. And their bark is one foot thick. These trees are just ginormous and they're so, they're so magnificent and they're, very, they're, they're unique to the Pacific coastline. That's the only place in the world that you're going to find these coastal uh, redwoods. And this is just to give you um, some relation to how big this tree really is. You have the Statue of Liberty, the United States Capitol, and it's still even taller than all of those buildings. A ginormous tree that just goes up to the heavens, it seems. Is ginormous a word? No? <laughs> sure, okay. So these coastal redwoods, 
And just like I do every week, we'll get back to them. Don't worry. We'll talk about them later. So we're continuing engaging with community. And so what we're doing actually in, in, in a two and a half weeks, we're launching our small groups uh, here at Access. Can I get a whoop whoop? So we're really excited because we really think that small groups are going to elevate and are really going to take our community, our relationships with each other to the next level. And that we're going to actually going to move beyond just the surface level, move just beyond the, hey, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And we're going to move to actually building relationship with each other, which is so vital and so key to our walk with God. But when, when we mention small groups, when we mention life groups, is it, who's been in a small group, like a life group before? A lot of people. I've been in a lot too. I've had some weird experiences in small groups. Anyone else? Man, I, I remember I was at Grace Bible and I was in a small group and yeah, Grace Bible. And, um, and when there was this guy every week, he would just come and he would always just explain how he was depressed and how he had all these problems. And then when you see him through the week, he'd be fine. And when you ask him to actually explain it, he would never explain it any further. He would just try to make everyone else feel bad because he's feeling bad. So everyone else is like, okay, and like this is, and then you, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. God showed me this. How are you doing? I'm depressed. I don't know why I'm here. I hate my classes. I hate the people here. And you're like, what the heck? Maybe not that extreme, but you get the point. And so you have these experiences in small groups and in, in communities that, it's supposed to be life-giving, but only these small groups can seem life-taking because of certain people who, who join the groups and who are in the groups. And not that we don't want certain people to join, but that's just the dynamics of the group. And then you have other groups that I remember back to a small group that I was in. Um, I see literally like five people who are in my small group um, back then. And we were just, um, we were crazy. And so we would just... Um, we would do things, and, but then you'd have one person, and, and, and we had this person in our group, but I'm not going to name them. A person who, it seems whenever you open up the conversation, that person always just seems to have the conversation. Well, what do you guys think about this? And this person's like, I got something to say. Does anyone else have something to say? And then they, this other person starts saying something, but then this person has to chime in on what this person had to say. And then someone else says something, and then he has something to say about the thing that he had to say. And then he changes the topic to something that he wants to talk about because he wants to be in control. You ever been in a, a conversation with someone like that? So we have all these experiences with these small groups of people and, and they can kind of um, filter the way that we think about small groups because some people, I imagine, I'm saying, yeah, I'm so excited for small groups. And you're like, oh, you've been in a small group that I've been in? I ain't joining no small group. So we're going to explain, we're going to go through um, in the next three weeks some of the dynamics of what we believe a biblical or a Bible-centered small group, what that looks like. And so the verse, the cornerstone verse that we're going to, that we're going to focus in on for our small groups, for our community groups, for our relationships, for each other, and how we can relate to each other. And it goes beyond small groups. It goes, it goes into our relationships with each other in our families and, and everywhere we go. It's Romans 12.10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that, that, that part of the verse. This idea that we're supposed to show honor. We're supposed to respect. We're su supposed to encourage. We're supposed to promote. We're supposed to honor other people. 
so much that we say no one out honors me, not in a selfish and prideful way, but in a way that I'm always promoting other people. I'm always looking out for my brother or my sister in Christ. I'm always looking out for other people. I'm outdoing others in honor. It's a totally different way of thinking than what we would naturally think. We would naturally think, I want to be honored. I want to be on stage. I want to be in the, in the limelight. I want to be the one in, in the focal point of the conversation. But it, this verse, Romans 12, 10, says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I think this is a, a fitting staple verse that we, can, that we can really zone in on to say, you know what? If we're going to do this thing called community Christianity, we're going to actually build relationships with each other. We have to get this right. And that the point is not to come to get my needs met and what's in it for me. The point is, how can I show honor more than I receive honor? And I think this is what's contrary to our instincts. Our instincts are, I want to be honored. And, 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 and Paul in, in, this, in this verse is saying, listen, we have to get this right. We have to show honor. We have to be so zealous for promoting others. We have to be so zealous for encouraging others that is unbelievably and unseen in the world. Because the world will tell you, let me get mine, let me get mine, and I'll leave the world to itself. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do my thing, and at the cost of anyone else. But Christianity is a little bit different, amen? Christianity is a little bit different. So the first aspect of this, this idea of relating to each other and having a relationship with each other and engaging, participating in relationships with one another in the body of Christ, uh, we look at Galatians 6 verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we have this idea of showing honor. Then we have this, this concept of, of carrying someone's burden. I want you to imagine somebody who's walking and he's having, he has a backpack and, and, and it's filled with rocks and it's filled with weight and it's filled and he's trying to carry it. And then around his legs, he's got straps of, of weight and then it's raining so all his clothes are wet and he's walking and he's carrying this burden. And then you can imagine someone else coming next to him and, and saying, hey buddy, or saying, hey miss, hey, can I take that backpack for you? Let me carry, let me carry that burden for you and they walk with him. And I think we get this picture of how we're supposed to be in the body of Christ, that it's actually the way that Christ intended us to live, because it, it says in the second part of Galatians 6, 2, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So let me, I ask myself, what is the law of Christ? But if you go back to the Gospels, and the, and, and the Pharisee asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, there's only one commandment, and the second is like it. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So when we carry each other's burdens, we are actually loving our neighbor the way that Christ intended us to. Because the thing about Christianity is that we were never meant to do it alone. The thing about life is we were never meant to do it alone. We are, we are purposed and we are designed for relationship with others around us. In, just intrinsically, we are motivated to build relationships, but it's important that we know how to build healthy relationships. And I want to show you and, and kind of talk about an observation that I've made in our society and in myself that, that I think is unhealthy, that I think will per pertain to almost every single person in, in this room. 
So it starts with a story and it's a friend. It's a really, really good friend of mine. Um, it's actually Noah. He's sitting right there. I've known Noah since I was um, literally in diapers. We played in a, a fourth grade basketball league together. I think we went like five and oh, it was, it was awesome. Um, I've known him and then I grew up with him in, in, in church and I was very, very good friends with him. And I, and I can say this one thing. If you want to have like fun, go hang out with Noah. He is the most fun guy I've ever met in my life. He can make the most boring situation fun. We, we had one of our uh, a hangout, a leader's hangout here at Access, and there was literally nothing going on. People were just talking and conversing. And then Noah was just like, I'm just going to have fun. So he took a, a big two liter of water bottle, right? You know, like the water bottle challenge, the flip. So he starts trying to flip this with his feet. And, every, and all of a sudden, everyone, all the guys are around him, like freaking out because they're trying to flip it with their feet. And then Noah does a little kick flip and he flips it and it flips the water bottle. And we actually got it on Snapchat. It was incredible. <laughs> Who was there? Wasn't it incredible? It was, honestly, it could go on like some sort of vine and it would probably go viral. Or that vine doesn't exist anymore, does it? Darn it. Sorry, vine. So, you know, and, 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 I, and I think of myself growing up with Noah and other people, and I've noticed that all of my relationships as I grew up were based on fun. Or it was based on mutual interest. Or it was based on what's in it for me. And there's nothing really inherently wrong about, about any of those reasons for having friends. But what I've continued to notice is that so many people have good friends, myself included. So many people have friends who are good people. So many people have friends who are Christians, but I've noticed something. We never actually dig into the real issues of life. Can anyone relate? We have, we're friends with Christians, we're friends with good people, we're friends with these people, but when it comes down to it, if you ask yourself, do I really know that person? We would say, no, I don't, I don't really know. And this is when it hit me, is this summer I went, out, I, was, I went out to lunch with Noah and we were talking and probably just like normal, we were talking about like Michigan football or something like that. But then, then he started telling me about a trip that he made to Africa and how the impact that it made on him and how he would never be the same and how God was working in his life and how God was changing the way that he thought about life because of this trip that he went on. And I went back home and I was talking to my wife, Abby, and I said, Abby, I don't think I've ever had a real conversation with, with him before. And it almost made me cry because it made me realize how all of my relationships were based on fun. And they were with good people too but it made me realize that I don't really know a lot of the people that I say I really know because I don't know what's driving them. I don't know what's the thing that's inside of them that's driving them to be real, what's driving them and what's, what's their reason for being, what God's moving and doing in their lives. My relationship, and there's nothing wrong with fun and there's a place for fun, but never at the cost of knowing someone. And so what I've, what I've noticed is that was since that moment, I've noticed that so many people they're good people and, and we just like to have fun. And it's just not, a, it's not like a West Michigan thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. It's a generational thing where we are relating to people almost on a superficial level. 
And it's very uncomfortable to move past that superficial level into a deeper level of relationship where we actually have to get vulnerable with someone. And we actually have to open up ourselves and say, you know what, this is what's going on in my life. Because we mask it with having fun and keeping busy and doing fantasy football and, and going here and going there and, and keeping ourselves busy with fun. Keeping ourselves busy with fun. And I, and I can say that I'm the, I, the reason why I'm so, you could say a little bit emotional about this is because this is something that's been changing and shifting in my life. I found that even with my siblings and my family, I didn't really even know them. Where I've had conversations with, you know, two of my brothers recently and, and I've said, you know what, I feel like I don't even know you. We need to start having a real relationship with each other because if we're going to do life together, if we're going to encourage and spur each other on in love and good works, we have to know each other. Not just, hey, how you doing? Not just, hey, let's have fun together, but hey, let's really talk about what's the passions inside of your heart. What are the things that are going on in your life that are driving you to pursue Christ? What is he teaching you? And then let's go have fun. <laughs> Because there's a place for that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. And, and I can say I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to have, you know, Nick Mayo who spoke last week because he is the most relational, intentional person that I know. He loves to have fun, but when it comes down to it, he's, he's always concerned with getting to know someone on a one-on-one -on -one basis more than almost anyone I think that I've ever seen. And I can say that I lear I've learned and gleaned from him in that, in that category. So I started to think, why is that? Why, why, what is the reason for all of that? What is the reason for of that, that, that tendency that we have to just like to have fun? And, and, what I, and I was listening to um, this video on Facebook that went viral. And, and um, so talking about the millennial generation, I'm sure some, sure some of you have, have watched it. And, he, and this, this guy mentions, mentions something. He says, the reason why people can't build meaningful relationships with each other is because of technology. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine the most frustrated you've been. I want you to imagine the times that you've been stressed. I want you to imagine the times that you've really been struggling. And I want you to think to yourself, what is the way that you cope with that stress? I know for a lot of people, the way that we cope with stress and frustration is technology. We go on Netflix and we watch Netflix for four hours because it's a mindless thing that we can do that numbs the pain or the stress and it gets our mind off of it so that we're not stressed or depressed. Or we go on our phone and we go on uh, Facebook and we try to think of a, a post that we can make to make it seem like we're doing good even though we're not doing good. Anyone been there? Or we go and... and we watch TV or we go in sports or we, we just indulge ourselves in technology and mindless thinking in order to numb the pain of the reality of what's really going on inside of us. You see, in the past, without technology, they didn't have that luxury. So imagine this, whenever you felt stressed, instead of going to your phone and numbing it with your phone, you go to a person. And you say, listen, this is what I'm dealing with. And this person listens to you. And then this person hugs you. And then this person says, it's going to be okay. 
But because we've, always, we've depended on technology, because we've depended on, on, on our phones and social media, we do not actually know how to build relationships with one another. It's actually become foreign for us to go to a deeper level. We want, we want to do things that are going to be famous on Facebook. We want to do things that are going to get a lot of likes on Instagram. We're going to set up something so that we can take a picture so that everyone will like it. And I'll get three more followers. That's what we do things with our friends and there's nothing inherently wrong. I'm going to say it again. But at the same time, I think that has to do with the reason why it's hard for us to move past the superficial and move into the reality of life. Because I think if we were all real with each other, we would all understand that we're all dealing with stuff. And it takes one person to plow the way to say, you know what, I'm dealing with some stuff. And then someone else to say, you know, it's okay, I'm gonna carry that burden for you. I'm gonna carry that for you. I'm not gonna allow you to stay in the dumps, but I'm gonna pick you up and pull you out. So I got like 10 minutes left. I got like 40 minutes left of notes. Let's see how this works. <laughs> Does that make sense to everyone? I really think it, it's, it's a, you could say it's a problem and I think it needs to be addressed in especially our generation because we've been so entangled and taught by the way of the world and technology and how to cope with stress and cope with problems and cope with issues. And that's why small groups are so important. It gives you a place where you can actually start building trust with people, start building relationship with people where you can actually share the vulnerable, vulnerable parts of your life and share the passions that you have without reservation. We can actually start becoming a people who are so honest and vulnerable with each other that nothing is ever hidden. And small groups is a great place for that. So I, I got 10 minutes left and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this, this story in, in the New Testament in Mark. And I think it's really gonna encourage us in our small groups as we, as we move forward. So the title of the message, which <laughs> I should have said is, who needs your faith? Who needs your faith? Now, I, <laughs> when I titled this after I thought about it, I was like, that can be taken two different ways. That can be taken as like, who needs your faith? Or it can be taken as like, who needs your faith? Like nobody needs your faith. <laughs> I'm meaning it, the context is who needs your faith or someone that needs your faith, who is it? That's the context. So we're reading out of Mark 2. I'm gonna read the whole story and then I'm gonna go back and talk about it and then we'll be finished. So when he returned to Capernaum, this is, uh, this is Jesus. So when Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. You guys heard this story before? Yeah. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Verse five. And when Jesus saw their faith. I want to stop there. It doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralytic man, paralytic's man's face, faith. It said when they saw their faith. Who? The four men who carried him. When he saw their 
faith. Such a beautiful story. So let's keep reading. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So summary, guy is paralyzed. Four friends take him to where Jesus is. The house is packed. There's, there's, there's no room in there. They go on the roof. They let him down. Jesus heals him, forgives him of his sins, and he rises and he walks. An amazing story of, of the power of, of Jesus and God and his ability to heal and change the physical world and the physical ailments of people. But I want to point something out. And this is where I'm going. Do we have four fanatic friends? Do I have four fanatic friends? Do you have four crazy friends who when you're paralyzed in your faith and when you're discouraged and you're depressed, do you have four people who are gonna come and who are gonna pick you up and who are gonna pull you on the roof and who are gonna let you down so that Jesus can deal with you? Not do you have four friends who are gonna give you good advice and who are gonna tell you what you need to do. No, do you have four friends who are gonna introduce you to Jesus? Something I want to point out about this story. It says they, they came to the door and there was no room. No room at the door. I wonder how many other people were at the door and who didn't get to see Jesus. I wonder how many people stopped at the door because it was packed. And the point of, the point of it is to say, the men used their faith. They didn't do anything supernatural, did they? All they did was believe that if this man saw Jesus, he'd be healed. So their, their actions were all natural, all natural. They walked him up, poked a hole in the roof, lowered the man down. Jesus said, because I saw their faith. Because I saw their faith. They did nothing supernatural. They did nothing out of the ordinary. All they did was believe, but their belief led them to action. You see, I'm sure there were some people who said, yeah, this Jesus guy, I've heard about him. I don't know if he's really the real deal though, but these guys believed. These guys said, if I can get in the presence of Jesus, if this paralyzed man can get in his presence, he will be healed. And their belief led them to take no, not take no for an answer. Their belief led them to say, we will do whatever we can to get him there. We will do whatever we can. We will, imagine they walked probably over a mile carrying this dude. A mile. And then they got there and it was full. Talk about discouragement. They kept going. They did something natural. So I'm saying is within our relationships, within our community, do we have four people who are willing to pick us up when we're down? Do we have four people? Do we have one person who we can trust? Who, we, who can care for us when we're paralyzed? 
I think I have a better question, though. You have four people that you will go out of your way for to introduce them to Jesus. Because one thing I've noticed about people in relationships is sometimes we can, we can get in this mindset is that what's in it for me? And I think we need to take the mindset of who are the people that I'm going to care for? Who are the people that I'm going to dig down and pull them up? Who needs my faith? The paralyzed man needed his four friends' faith. He needed their faith in order to get in the room with Jesus. And so what I'm saying is, is these small groups, these relationships that we're going to be building, it's going to be a beautiful thing because we get to partner with each other's faith. You know, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them two by two. I think he did that on purpose because he knew that if he, they went alone, they would have this with them but he sent two people so that they could encourage each other in order to keep pressing forward. And the same is with us. We need relationship with each other, not just the superficial. We need the, we need the relationship that says, you know what, no matter what you do, I'm going to be there for you. No matter what happens. I want to share um, some quick stories of um, some times that, that, that I've had in, in small groups and in communities that I've been with that are, I think, impactful, that, that, that share a little bit about what it's like to be in a relationship with, with other believers in, in a small group setting. But first off, I want to share Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, falls down, one can help the other up, but pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them. So the first story is we had a small group. Um, we, were, we did it at Grand Valley with a bunch of guys that, that we knew and were close with. And, and, and we had a guy who I knew from growing up and, and I invited him to come to our small group. And, and little did I know that he had actually lost someone really close to him. And it was a really devastating time in his life, but he never told anyone. So a year goes by and he's been in our small group and he's just involved and he's just with us and we're doing life together and we're on a softball team together and we're just friends and we're, we're doing things, we're going after God together. And a year later, he shares with our small group, he says, you know what, guys, I never shared this with you, but that time, the time that, that you asked me to join your small group was the same week that this person died. And I was, I was really considering not, not continuing life. And he said, but because you guys accepted me, because you guys started pouring into me and giving me life, he said, I had a new reason for living. He said, I didn't tell you guys because I didn't trust you, but I trust you now. And it was just an amazing story of what, what, what it can do if we can build a relationship with each other. Because we never know what someone's going through. We never know what's the deep issues. And until we start building the trust with each other through consistency, and it takes time. It's not a microwave thing. It's not a, hey, spend five times together and you can trust each other. No, it takes, it takes months, sometimes years to build trust with people. Another, another, another testimony of small groups is, is my wife. We were at a, a Christmas dinner and we were doing, you know, what were you thankful for in 2016? You ever done that? When I was little, I used to do that and I'd be like, thankful for my house, thankful for my family. <laughs> 
this time was a little deeper because I'm older and more mature, I guess. But so my wife, she was, she was explaining what she was thankful for. And first of all, she said, you know, I'm thankful for Jake because he's an awesome guy and he's so nice to me and he's so kind and funny. And I was like, babe, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, she really said, I'm thankful for Jake, but really I'm thankful for this. And I was like, oh my gosh. She said, and I'm thankful for the small group that I started this year with a, with a group of girls. She said, I, she said, I've known these girls for a long time, but we, we recently started just getting together and pray for each other. And I can't tell you how, how impactful and how meaningful it's been to start building a deeper relationship with them and pray with each other and cry with each other and just share the desires that we have with each other. It's been so necessary for my growth as a person. So necessary. And then, my, and then another story of a, a guy in my small group. We had a guy, a gentleman, who was in the trouble with the law, but he was a good friend of ours. And, and we, we just loved him and accepted him. He was such a, a loving guy. And, and he was in trouble, though. He was in, in some debt. And, and I got, we gathered our small group and we said, hey, guys, we want to do, we want to really, we really want to help him. So we raised and everyone gave some money and we raised almost $400 for this guy, which was going to pay for like half of everything that he owed. And, and we gave it to him and he was just blown away. He was blown away. And he'd only been coming to our small group for like a few months. And he was just, he was like, why would you guys do this? And then I had people coming to me saying, Jake, I don't know if you should do that because you know, you know, you, I don't know if you should do that. He might just take advantage of you guys. You know, I don't know if you should do that because you know, you never know. He might not come to back to the small group and then it's just a waste of money. Like, yeah, don't you think he should pay for his own way? He got himself in that pickle. Shouldn't he get himself out of it? And then I said, and then my only thought was, I'm glad I didn't have to pay for my, for my sins. I'm glad I didn't have to pay for myself. And I'm glad that I was able to show the love of Christ to someone to say, you know what? Even though we don't know you that well, we're going we're gonna to invest in you because we care about you. And we didn't do it to strong arm them. We didn't do it to say, hey, you better stay in our group. We didn't do it to say, hey, look at us. We're so cool. We didn't do it because any, it was anything in it for us. We did it because we said, we want to love this guy so well that he says, you know what? Jesus, God is for me. And so we started building relationships and, and, and as anything goes, it goes up and down, but just stories of being there for each other and, and building relationships with each other and not, not demanding anything, but just going back to Romans twelve ten that we would outdo each other in showing honor outdo each other in showing love. Not, not that it's a competition, but it's that we always want to promote others instead of ourselves. So no one, you know, as, as, in, as, as we finish here, as I look through the Bible, no one that you really see in the Bible did life alone. I'm just going to lift off some names here. It's just, it's just incredible. Jesus had his disciples. Jesus, the son of God, needed community. Jesus also had Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, good friends of his. Paul had Priscilla and Aquila who were there, who, who, who laid down their lives for Paul. The disciples had each other. Paul and Barnabas had Timothy, David and Jonathan, or David had Jonathan and his mighty men, his soldiers. Joshua had Caleb. Ruth was friends with Naomi. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were gonna die together. Elijah and Elisha. And then Job, whose friends comforted him after he lost everything. 
Throughout the whole Bible, we're seeing people who are relating with each other, who are encouraging, who are carrying each other's burdens. And I think it's fitting that we do the same and that we actually start being intentional and relational with each other, figuring out what are our passions and what are our burdens and how can we help each other promote the passions and carry the burdens. So, we will be starting, you know, those small groups January, uh, after January 19th. So I really want you to pray about it, consider it, and say, you know what, do I want to join a small group? Am I, am I willing to make myself vulnerable and make myself uh, open to relating to people that I may not know right now? So why don't you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for how relational you are, God. Thank you that your, only, your, your one desire, God, is just to have relationship with us. And I ask that each one of us would get an understanding of what it means to receive relationship and have relationship with you and then connect that with other people and have relationship with others. I pray that, that this, this community of believers here at Access would, would be known as, as people who love each other, who care for each other, who honor each other, and who, who spur each other on in love and good works and who are always encouraging and, and pushing each other to become more like Christ, that we have deep, meaningful relationships that are that are that are displaying the love of Christ wherever we go, that we would be challenged by each other, that we would be encouraged and we would carry each other's burdens. I thank you, God, for the love that you show us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're gonna be finished. Just a couple announcements before we end. Um, February 2, we're not gonna have service. Um, the, the youth has an event here, so we're not going to have service. So we're actually going to be um, going to Rosa Park Circle, and we're going to be doing an ice skating. So anyone who's, who's available, we'd love to invite you out to Rosa Park Circles to go ice skating with us on February 2. Um, small groups. Small groups start January 19. I don't think I need to make that announcement anymore. Um, and lastly, um, if you're new here, like Bethany... If you go to the back table, we have um, volunteers who'd love to connect to you and get you a free, uh, free meal card. and love to meet you and get to know you. If anyone else is new, you can connect with us. We'd love to meet you. We'll also have people down here who are willing to pray with anyone. If you have emotional, spiritual, physical needs, or you just need someone to talk to and listen to, come up here. They would love to connect with you. Um, lastly, we hope you just guys have a wonderful night. We have coffee in the back. The cafe is open. Um, have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful week, and Happy New Year, guys. Be blessed.